Welcome to episode four of Building Blocks with Brendan. Today we'll be speaking about biohacking. Before this conversation with Brittany, I knew very little bit about the industry or really what biohacking was. All I knew about it was that you're supposed to put butter in your coffee. Although, after doing some research, I learned you have to use a blender to blend the butter in, and there's many other steps involved. All I was doing was having high-fat coffee and thinking I was healthy, which was not the case at the time. Today's conversation is very interesting, because not only are we speaking about what biohacking is and how she actually ventured into physical products, which was never her plan initially, but how she started to develop her brand. What was interesting about Brittany's story, and we'll hear during our conversation, was that how it wasn't a overnight decision. This was many years, in fact, four years of planning uh, before doing her undergrad. She actually started developing her own following. So when she was graduating, she'd be actually able to start her own business right away, which is a very interesting interesting perspective how a lot of times building a brand is very important no matter what you're going to do where the conversation changed which is very interesting is how she actually starting her own new business now in emf underwear and that was something brand new to me obviously not too familiar with women's underwear or really what emf was or really all that sides of you know preventing radiation and everything but was very interesting where i took a lot of inspiration from was how she used her own fan base her own brand and her own following to develop a product while also minimizing risk. She was able to get feedback through all steps and all iterations of her product, and actually right now is opening up to pre-orders for her product, meaning that there is no huge upfront capital cost for her to start and develop this new product, which I found very interesting. This really goes to show you that no matter what industry you're in, having a following and having some people that look up to you, but also that can give you inspiration, but most importantly, that you can bounce ideas off of, is pivotal for any business, no matter what it is. This conversation was eye-opening to me and really made me look at different ways where I can better my life, but most importantly, look at my health as something that it should be top priority. Hopefully, hopefully you all enjoy this episode and learn to live a little bit healthier life. Great to connect. I know we really <laughs> haven't spoken for like five years. We knew each other from a summer camp, then from university, went to Laurier. Um, so, and since then you really taken off on the Instagram and really developed a following around biohacking, um, mm -hmm. and many other things and actually have developed quite a few, pro you know, developed a product from that, I guess, stream or from that understanding. How did you get into it initially? Cause that's pretty, I'd, I don't know if it was a you know, life change, but that's like a pretty unique field of study or a field of interest at least. Yeah. So I you know, back in high school, kind of in university, I was dealing with health issues um, and really found a lot of success from working with nutritionists and naturopaths and just people outside of medical doctors and really fell in love with natural health during that time. Um, but, you know, went to university, studied, you know, international relations and global health, and it's quite different from what I'm doing right now. Um, and then came out, started working in the corporate world and went back to school in 2017 and studied to be a nutritionist. And so I am a registered nutritionist by trade, um, but I am also a biohacker and kind of work in that field. Mm -hmm. And it's been really good. Honestly, like I, I really like the philosophy behind biohacking um, it's been very good from a business standpoint mm -hmm. to be able to differentiate myself from other nutritionists and other people, because like, I'm sure as you've kind of seen in the last like five, 10 years, the wellness industry has exploded 
So you really have to kind of find your corner of the internet and learn how to build a business there and monetize it and really grow. And that's kind of what I've done with biohacking and it's been fantastic and yeah, it's, it's fun and it's exciting. And when you, how, how would you define biohacking? I know everyone kind of has their own definition or own approach. What would your definition be of a biohacker or biohacking in general? Yeah. So my definition is holistic self-care for optimal health. And so what that means is holistic self-care. So instead of only looking at nutrition or fitness or like a single pillar of health, it's mm-hmm. very um, whole and holistic in nature. And we look like with my clients, we look at sleep and stress and your mental health and your relationships and everything that makes you you. And then we kind of can assess better why you're dealing with the symptoms that you're dealing with. And then from that point, um, we look at optimizing your health. So it's not about being perfect and creating perfect health because that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. It's just about how can we help you be more productive or be happier or whatever the goal is, right? So um, there's lots to look at. And so, and that's why I'm in the biohacking world is like, I really like the holistic approach mm-hmm. because that's what I do in my own life and I have a lot of success with it. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, coming from the specifically, specifically the mental health landscape, lot, you, a lot of people don't realize that you know, everything's so interconnected, you know, your sleep, your diet, your exercise, mm-hmm. your happiness are all really interconnected. And typically all of them have to be on a, a well, e- either whether it'd be an even playing field or at least any of those, which can be optimized can help overall. So, you know, better sleep quality has a dramatic improvement in your mental health and especially in your uh, happiness in day-to-day life. But one of the things that always seems, or I'm always interested in is, how you stand out. So, I mean, there's, I mean, mm. if you go on Instagram, you go on anything and you look up nutrition advice, biohacking, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands and some great quality and some people really just making stuff up. So how were you able to stand out and really have your success in a quite a busy and um, intensive like Instagram ecosystem? Yeah. Instagram is tough. Um, I think that because I joined the biohacking bandwagon in 2018, I was before a lot of people who are in, into it now. Um, so it was kind of being early to the game. And yeah, you know, my business is called Biohacking Brittany. It's so obvious and so simple. And people remember that. Um, so definitely like when I joined is a big factor. But the other thing is the leaders in the biohacking field most of them are male. So there's very few, like all of the other female biohackers who have businesses who are, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhat known in the industry. Like I know all of them and there's probably like five of us maybe oh, wow. in total. Um, so when you're a female and like, again, you have something that is so specific and differentiates you from everyone else it's kind of easy to build a following and, and build a customer base because, you know, I'm not Dave Asprey. I'm so different, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it, it's interesting from that perspective. And one of the reasons I joined biohacking or thought about it back in 2018 was that, like, I saw the lack of females leading in the space 
Um, and I knew that if I like kind of started to own it, like it would equal success. So why do you think it's such a male dominant space? Um, you, I would assume it would be close to 50, 50, especially around the nutrition aspects of it. Mm. I think wellness is very female focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course like wellness and biohacking very much like overlap. Um, but the word biohacking itself is very masculine. Um, and I think like just the way that it sounds. And I think the people who, you know, like Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, um, again, like the people who are the loudest voices in the biohacking world are, are male. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like they've created this male following. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, but it's interesting when I look at my analytics, right? So on Instagram, I actually, I think it's like about 65% of my following is female. Um, but then on my podcast, it's like 75% of my listeners are male. So it is interesting to break it down like that. But yeah, again, like it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know exactly why. I don't know. I don't know what it is about biohacking that in the beginning it was so male dominant. Like maybe, maybe the philosophy around it, maybe the idea of optimizing health is, seems more masculine. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure. I think you might have had nail on the head there with like whoever was the in- initial loudest speakers or the first people to really introduce it to the masses. Mm-hmm. Doing those things were, um, I'm not sure if it is as relevant within, uh, nutrition or in biohacking, but compared to fitness, you know, you will kind of, if you want to look mm. like someone or be like someone, if you can imagine yourself being that person, it's a lot easier to kind of follow them as well. And it could be a similar yeah. thing where if it started as, you know, many of the thought leaders being males, got more males interested and eventually then probably now it's building up more to being more gender neutral, or at least, uh, having people like yourself care really to the female audience, but most importantly, just have different perspectives. I mean, when you look at anything nutrition related, it's wild how, um, you know, drug testing and anything like else like that was only ever tested on males for like many years until they realized, oh, we should probably consider females for trials and other things. Um, mm-hmm. and very unique. Idea. And I'm just surprised overall how, how you, with your, even your demographics, how it broke down there, but mm-hmm. very, it's very interesting, right? Like you're saying right now, very hot topic. Mm -hmm. A lot of hype around it. Um, Now, one of the things I always struggle with or when looking at anything regarding around this field was it seems like a lot of times it's very trend heavy versus Mm. long, I don't know if the right word is longevity heavy, but a lot of times if you follow some other people's pages, you know, every week it's do this, do that. Um, This one study says this, this one study says that. How do you parse through all that information and kind of develop a philosophy for yourself? Because I mean, it, you're always learning, but like, I feel there's always contradicting things. If you look up the opposite, you can always find the opposite. How do you, how are you able to stay on like a guided path that isn't, you know, wild or that you're always changing, uh, you know, every single week? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of conflicting evidence for mm-hmm. sure in the health world. Um, I think personally for me, I know what works for my body. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of experience. So I started playing around with healing naturally and being healthy when I was 16. Like that was what, 11 years ago? So it's, you kind of learn as you go. Um, it's hard though, because your body does change, right? Like you mm-hmm. go through different phases and you grow. 
um, with women, it's, it's different too. You can get mm-hmm. pregnant and then you have a kid and your body's so different. Like, you know, there's all these different things going on. Um, but for me, I know what works for myself and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Like just because it works for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for my clients. So you really have to understand, um, I guess like the latest research, but also understand that it's different and it's trial and error. Like Mm -hmm. people who go to a naturopath or a nutritionist, they know that it's trial and error. They know Mm -hmm. that they're going to try this supplement for three months. Okay. It might not work. Try this diet, try taking out this food. Maybe it'll, you know, work different with this symptom. It's all trial and error. And I think it's always going to be like that. Um, Mm -hmm. What we're seeing now, a lot of is like tests. So -hmm. like home-based tests that really, um, speed up this process. So yeah. testing, you know, your gut health, testing uh, blood biomarkers, biological age, all of these different things, um, which is very, very cool. And I love that stuff because it really gives you data and then you can quantify yourself and go from there. And that's a very biohacking thing to do is like quantify yourself, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it works, right? So mm-hmm. It's very interesting you t- touch on that. I just finished the book, uh, Deep Medicine, which kind of talks about AI within the healthcare space. And one of the big things yeah. was in personalized nutrition. So uh, the ability to really, I mean, right now, gut biome, very much a buzzword, uh, but very yeah. common right now. But how that with, they've been able to really do those at-home tests and really figure out instant responses to all the different types of yeah. um, premature gut biome and be able, like you are saying, develop a personalized approach to everything in life. But what you really touched on, which was very interesting and something I feel isn't communicated that often is the idea of you have to try things out. Like Mm -hmm. it's impossible, I would think, to really say, okay, you know, for you, after a few minute consultation, this will for sure work for you. And I think for a lot of people, especially you see all those, and maybe that's the reason why there's so many fads, especially within the fitness industry, let alone nutrition industry, where it's, okay, this week, you know, it's, all on curls like this is how we're gonna do them this is how we're gonna change everything but people don't realize that everyone is quite different and there is some trial and error to figure out how to optimize i guess that's the buzzword as well but how to optimize oneself it does take more than just you know filling out a quick survey online and saying oh you know this is you as a person i can categorize you that easily yeah but yeah what is super interesting though is i've been following you on instagram now like religiously is that now you're you went from you know health nutrition biohacking and now you're getting to product development which mm. i i mean i would think is similar thought pattern of you know you being an entrepreneur kind of starting your own business but now getting to the product side of things how did that come to be because to me it seemed like not a huge jump but like a different approach and a different product line how did you come up with that idea and kind of what is the plan with it i, I keep seeing your uh, mock-ups on, mm. on your uh, Instagram stories. And it seems like a very unique feel that isn't really being uh, that, I guess, starting to blow up more, but isn't that popular yet. Yeah. So, you know, it was never my plan to create a physical product. Um, I have been working online, you know, even before COVID. I think I've, I'm an online entrepreneur, like, mm. I don't know, three years coming up this fall. Um, so... Yeah, like I've always been online and that was always the intention. And to come up with a physical product was kind of out of left field. Um, But 
it, it kind of just hit me. So the product is EMF blocking underwear for women. Mm-hmm. And so EMF is electromagnetic frequencies. Mm-hmm. And what happened last year for me was I, uh, my menstrual cycle started to become super irregular. And I started becoming very aware of things that were impacting that. And um, yeah, so, you know, nutrition is good for me. Lifestyle is pretty good. And then I was kind of thinking about it. And I was like sitting at my computer day in and day out, working online, got my phone, got my Wi-Fi router in an apartment, just surrounded by electricity um, and also radiation, cell phone towers, all these things. And I was like, okay, like, I feel like I am just being like charged like this, like, I just don't feel good. So, you know, I went out last summer, I think it was last summer. Yeah. I bought a, uh, EMF, EMF blocking blanket mm-hmm. and I started every single day, like sitting with this blanket on my lap at work being like, okay, I'm protecting my ovaries. I, I looked at the research. There is research that shows that EMF can impact your ovaries, delay ovulation, um, impact fertility, impact pregnancy, all of these things. And I was like, okay, I'm protecting myself. I'm wearing this like little blanket. (laughs) And then in October last year, I was just sitting there with this blanket. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like (laughs) never in a million years, if I worked in corporate, would I take a blanket with me to an office and sit with it on my lap? Or if I'm working downtown in a coffee shop or walking on the streets in a busy city where there's tons of uh, radiation everywhere around you, right? Um, And I knew like through the being in the biohacking world, I knew there was underwear for men. Um, There's a couple of really big brands that have, have made it for men because EMF can decrease testosterone in men and decrease uh, sperm motility. But there's nothing for females. So I like go on Google and I'm like, okay, like let me order some like EMF blocking underwear for females. And there's one pair on Amazon and it's a literally like granny panties. I would (laughs) never wear it. Like as someone who wears Lululemon all the time, like I can't have like lines everywhere. Like it has to be functional. It has to make Mm -hmm. sense. And I was like, okay, this is so stupid. Why is there nothing that I could buy? And I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to make this product for myself. Like, I see the problem. I'm going to create the solution and I am the customer. So, and my following is all about this. So Mm -hmm. let's just kind of throw this and see if it sticks, you know? Um, And here we are six months later, we're, you know, we're, I'm opening up for pre-sale April 1st, which is in a couple weeks. And I found the fabric, I have the designs, um, my website's being redone right now. There's all of these things happening. So yeah. That is so exciting. And it, I mean, it's, your story seems to be almost repeating itself where, you know, you end up looking into an industry or into a product, realize it's heavily male dominant and really just bringing the female perspective or at least a different perspective to it to ensure it's almost accessible to everyone, you know, from your experiences, yeah. being able to build something that works for you, but also would work for other people uh, who'd be in this interest in the similar, uh, especially in the similar lane, especially in the biohacking world. Well, yeah. What What's really interesting to me is how you think of an idea. You're like, I want to build this. I want to create this. Now what? Like, what was your first step? Was it like calling manufacturers, even, like going on Alibaba? Like, how do you go from an idea, which is, I think, the always always the hardest leap, an idea to 
actually trying to develop a product? What was the first step? And was it like a weekend? Was it like a few months? I kind of, what was that early transition? Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, I think in the beginning, I, I just sat on the idea for a bit because I had to really let it just like manifest, um, and picture what it was actually going to look like. And then because I have, you know, somewhat of a Instagram following, I took it to my audience. Like, I think that was probably the first thing I did. I posted an Instagram story on it. And I think that, I think that Instagram story is honestly still up on my, on my profile. And it was like, there's nothing out there. Would you be interested in me creating this product for you essentially? And seeing how many people replied and yeah, I continued talking about it to my audience and I still do um, over, I think, October, November, December, looking at fabric. Every time I'd research it, I'd just talk about it and people just kind of became like, I'm excited for it. Like, when is this coming out? Have you thought about this? What about the design? Like, and yeah, I, I, I think it's different when you have an audience to fall onto I think if you're starting a business and starting a product with nobody and it's just yourself, I think it's a very different ballgame um, and it's probably a lot harder. So that's, yeah, I just take the feedback and I, I just, yeah, I guess that's what I do. I mean, what you're speaking of, although with your following may seem easier, I mean, I really do think anyone can do it. Um, mm. it's, and one thing you're really touching on is the idea of just getting feedback and getting, and for you, you had, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say luck because you have to build your following, but you had the ability to get connected people who were probably similar minded or at least in, interested in similar products um, and got almost a small, well, pretty large focus group to give you feedback. But I think anyone has the ability to get feedback, but what is important, which you brought up is asking questions to an audience is so important. I know so many entrepreneurs or people who have an idea and they, they kind of say, oh, if I tell someone else, they're going to just make it themselves. Um, but you quickly learn that, like, when you're trying to create this product, you can't just Google and get something made, like, instantly. It does take a long time. Um, and most people uh, will likely prefer to buy it from someone, especially if they, you know, if you listen to their feedback. And one example I always compare this to is, like, growing vegetables. Like, if, if you, you sell a cucumber, if this was an idea, you'd be like, oh, I can't sell cucumber seeds because everyone will just grow cucumbers. And I can't sell them in the farmer's market. How many people do you know grow their own, all their own food? No one. Like yeah. very few people. But if you ever look to buy seeds for anything, they're so cheap. You can easily grow carrots and never have to buy carrots again. Yeah. But you buy them because it's accessible, easy to use. And a lot of times there is a brand attached to it. And it's so funny how um, when you talked about kind of going from biohacking to these underwears in, in the wildest dreams, it's never, it seems like the most unsexy thing ever at to some extent where you're like, Oh, I'm going to be making underwear now, but <laughs> you really found they like, you're almost doing the opposite. You're taking something that wasn't sexy at all, at least making it more, like you said, more functional overall. But mm -hmm. what you really touched on was something interesting was finding something that you, there was a problem you had and you realized that other people had it as well and just took mm -hmm. the initiative to go out and create it and at least develop it. And I know you're saying, so are pre, you're saying pre-sale or launching April 1st, or is that when you're uh, advertising for pre-launch or kind of what's the timeline looking like? Yeah. So timeline wise, um, pre-sale opens April 1st and 
that means I'm going to open it for the month of April. And that is because I really want to test the market to see how successful this business can be. Like I, so because it's a physical good or a physical product, obviously I have to buy fabric. I have to buy the supplies, ideally more in bulk. So it's cheaper and then manufacture them. But I don't want to do any of that if people aren't actually going to order. Just because someone on Instagram says, yeah, I'm going to buy it, doesn't mean they actually are going to, right? Mm -hmm. So now what I've done for the last uh, maybe like six weeks or five weeks Mm -hmm. or so, I started a wait list um, that people can join on my website. So I have quite a lot of people on that wait list. Mm -hmm. And of course, like they'll get emailed, you know, when it comes out and same, everyone will know on social media as Mm -hmm. well. And then at the end of April, depending on the numbers, um, which I need to break down, If I have enough pre-orders, then I will order the fabric, make it in bulk and send them out. And if I don't, then we'll see. I mean, it's pretty easy to refund people. Um, You know, I I already am pretty proficient in software because I work online. So um, it just it's a it's a safer way to start a business compared to me just putting like a couple grand into it right now and just being like, yep, let's do this. Like. I want to start just like bootstrapping as much as I can um, and see mm-hmm. how it goes. Yeah. And I mean, that approach is, I, I, I'm a huge believer in that approach being the smartest approach. Like when I, when I come to talking to people who want to start a business, whether big or small, um, the number one thing people bring up is like, oh, I have to quit my job and throw my life savings into something. And mm-hmm. nine out, I'd say 99% of the time, you can easily figure out easier ways or less cost intensive ways to try things out, whether it be like working part-time on something or, you know, setting an hour a day to do something. Um, And I mean, your approach makes the most sense. And at the same time, you're doing, you're testing it again. You had Mm -hmm. all these people who said they were interesting. So instead of believing them, I mean, there's for sure a portion that would be interested. You're saying, okay, if this is something that there is some interest, there is some need for, let's see how many are willing to, you know, put up the, do- the dollar amount to do it. And then from there, you already have the test. And if it is successful, you'll be able to ship out this product and, you know, mm-hmm. have a new little, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you consider a side business, but have a new physical mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. One question. Now, this is a little side. I jump around a lot, but <laughs> I, we, because we knew each other in like Waterloo and in Ontario, mm-hmm. and then we were ended up both in Vancouver. Do you mm-hmm. find your audience heavily West Coast f- reliant? Because when I, when I think of biohacking, it seems a very much a like West Coast or even even when it comes to eating healthy, it's like a very, to me, a more, more of a West Coast thing. Do you find your audience heavily West Coast or is it pretty dispersed around North America, around the world? Um, For Instagram, I think it's about, I don't know what the percentage is. I think it's about 50% of my audience is in the States. And I don't know the exact breakdown East Coast to West Coast for that. Um, West Coast culture, like Vancouver, California, is very healthy, very alternative, natural. Like, it's just how it is compared to Toronto, New York City type of idea. Um, But I get clients all over the world, you know, and there are tons of amazing biohackers and biohacking companies that have come out of Europe. Like, I feel like Europe is actually probably leading the biohacking space. 
um, and then the states is following because the way that they view health in like Germany, Sweden, mm-hmm. like very progressive countries is like, it's just so different from, from the average person in Canada mm-hmm. or the States. Um, and so a lot of the, the best companies do come out of there. Um, but yeah, in terms of, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right. Like it's, I plan to ship internationally, so I don't think that it's going to be a issue for me personally, but it's, it's tough. Like I also think with business, you need to have the market, right? Like, even though it's so out of left field for me to create a physical product, mm-hmm. the physical product is still in the biohacking space. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm starting like a apartment, I don't know, like a painting business or something, yeah, yeah. right? And you'd be like, cool, I didn't know you were an artist. Like, <laughs> just so random. Like, so it's very aligned with the business. Um, and also when you create a product, like, my thing is, is like, you're going to wear underwear anyway. So mm-hmm. why don't I create something that does more for you, but it's something you are going to do regardless. Like it's not mm-hmm. this new product that you're going to use once and not understand how it works mm-hmm. and throw it out, or it's just going to sit in your closet. Like, no, you already do it. So I might as well just upgrade it and make it better. I mean, and even what you said right there makes it's, it's very simple. I don't think a lot of people realize like to make a product or make a business, you don't have to really reinvent anything a lot of the times. So you mm-hmm. can just make something that, like you said, there was a blanket. It was a great blanket, but you're not going to be wearing a blanket walking down the street, going on the subway. Um, especially if you're in anywhere warm, you'd be sweating so much nonstop where people are in flip-flops and you're in a like a woolly blanket. And you're just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, let's just re, you know, what the features we were getting from this one product, let's put in other everyday products. And you didn't invent underwear, you didn't invent the know the emf technology we're like let's make it together and really make something that mm-hmm. incorporates or reinvents something that's already being done and that's such a novel idea even though it you, there was no like crazy technology you weren't like i'm gonna use lasers and blockchain it's like oh i'm just gonna use everyday products to really better one's life overall um yeah. but the whole story it's really interesting while wrapping up here is that Really where it all started was like developing a brand for yourself. Like when you're like, mm. you know, Brittany, this is this is who she is, the kind of you know, biohacking with Brittany. This is like her brand. If someone were interested in like starting their own brand or kind of starting a similar journey to you, on the first note, what would it be? Like how what is the best way in your opinion to really get started or at least having to build a personal brand? And then secondly, is if someone wants to say, like, oh, I want to get into biohacking or I want to be healthier. Like when someone comes to talk to you, what are the, like the first few steps you tell someone? Because I know it's such a big field. These are like your first go-tos. Yeah. So starting your own brand, um, definitely figure out where your audience is that you want to serve, right? So Instagram is mostly millennials. Um, you know, of course, there's other people in there too, but it's mostly millennials. If your audience is on is on TikTok, like focus on TikTok. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what I, in the beginning, it was like, I'm just going to focus on Instagram. And, you know, eventually everything filters out. Like I have, you know, all these other platforms, Clubhouse and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's so much work to create that much content across all boards. Mm-hmm. And it's unrealistic to expect that of yourself. So find out where your audience is that you want to hang out with, that you want to talk to, go on there, show up, figure out 
what works for you. Is it videos? Is it talking to your camera? Is it educational? Um, lots of trial and error as well. Like I, oh my goodness, my Instagram has just gone through so many different phases. Um, and yeah, figure out what works for you. And it, it takes time. There's a lot of like imposter syndrome that can come out of it, which yeah. I've been through as well and still go through. Um, and it takes time. So anytime I get this question a lot, anytime someone asks me this, start ASAP. Like I started my Instagram account the moment I enrolled in school. So that when I graduated from school and I needed clients, I had a following. If I had graduated from school and I was like, oh, I'm going to start a following today, yeah. I would have no money coming in. I would have mm -hmm. no business. So start as soon as you can because the timing matters. It takes, it takes a while to build. So that's my advice. And then for biohacking, um, it's, the first step is always increasing awareness of your body. And so that means that instead of buying the latest gadget or even buying my underwear that's coming out, mm -hmm. do you understand your menstrual cycle? Do you understand your symptoms? Are you sleeping well? How's your stress going? How's your skin? Do you like just becoming more aware of your body is the most important thing because if you're not aware of your bowel movements, digestion, mm -hmm. et cetera, um, it's going to be hard to fix problems, quote unquote, fix problems. If you don't know what's going on, right? Like you really got to increase awareness. Um, you can do it through apps. You can do it through a, a journal, but really start looking at how you're feeling and what you want to improve. And then you can kind of start looking at biohacks and like how to improve different things. Um, Cause most people are just unaware of how they're feeling, to be honest. Like yeah. I have clients and I ask them questions and they're like, Oh, I've never thought of that before. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, <laughs> talk to me in a week when you've like yeah. tracked it, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that's so fun. I mean, both your, both your advice is super good, especially with like starting a brand is start instantly, like mm -hmm. just getting content out there. Cause first it takes time to learn how to create content. It's not simple yes. and it'll yeah. take time to develop, uh, some success or some following. Like there's no such thing as really overnight successes. It's always like, oh, I've been working <laughs> on this for 10 years. And then in the year nine is when things happened. Yeah. And it was really funny when you touched on for the um, kind of the biohacking thing is like figure out your body first. I remember when, you know, doing therapy and stuff, they're like going mm. through therapy. They're like, are you sleeping well? I'm like, no, they're like, well, try sleeping and see how you feel. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go to sleep earlier. I'm like, oh, wow, I feel so much better now. It was like sometimes the simple things in life or like, oh, how are you eating? And it's like, well, this last week I have only ate out this week. I've been eating like one meal a day. Okay, try eating normally. You're like, oh, wow. Sometimes it's simple things in life where you're like, okay, this is the foundation. And when the foundation's kind of uneven or you know askew, yeah. a lot of times other things in life can kind of are really connected. But such an interesting story. Great connecting with you. If people want to follow your story, follow you, where are you at? How do people get involved? Yeah. Yeah. This has been so fun. Um, I think this is the first podcast I've been on that is from somebody I actually know in person because <laughs> everyone is online and people I've mm -hmm. never met in my life. So it's really cool to connect with you again. Um, yeah. So biohackingbrittany.com, biohackingbrittany on Instagram and TikTok and Clubhouse and every social media platform you can think of. Um, I have a podcast called Biohacking with Brittany. And yeah, my M fees underwear is coming out. That's E M F I E S 
super easy name. <laughs> I just basically pluralized EMF. And um, yeah, you can find the link to that in my bio on Instagram um, and sign up for the wait list, which is growing and they're coming out and they're going to be super comfy and sexy and not ugly granny panties. So get excited. <laughs> so exciting. Great connecting.